Welcome to the Simply Financial Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Calandra. This is episode number 41 of season number four. My guest today is Barry Maltz, who helps get small businesses unstuck. He has founded and run small businesses with a great deal of success and helping them for over 25 years. He's an accomplished author and speaker, and he knows the formula for taking companies to the next level. So I'm really excited to have him on the show today. Barry, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So in uh, preparing for today's discussion, I understand that you started with uh, IBM. I assume that was a while ago and when IBM was dominant, but what was it like working for a big company? You know, it's interesting because people say, what was it like to work for IBM in the eighties? And it was exactly the same way I imagine is to work for Google or Facebook or Apple. Now IBM was the dominant force. It had a particular culture of blue suits, white shirts, red ties. Uh, And when I came out of college, Uh, It was great because 1981, I graduated. Two weeks later, I moved to Chicago and I started working for IBM. And then they put me into training on how to really basically be a business person in the computer field. So someone was paying me to get educated rather than me paying to be educated. So it was great for nine or 10 years. Beautiful. And then you, I think you described in your bio or I read somewhere, you described it as getting away from the big company and working for yourself, how did that come about? Well, you know, I had this uh, manager, branch manager, um, you know, his name's not important. We can call him, we'll call him George. His actual name was George Durow. He, he used to have sales contests where first prize was lunch with him. So I was saying, George, what's second prize? Two lunches <laughs> with you? And so I didn't, I, I left for two reasons. One is, I figured, you know, if IBM was gonna put someone so mediocre in this position, I didn't really wanna be there. Plus, I got drawn away by one of my clients at the time who said, hey, Barry, you can come and be director of sales in my sprawling uh, consulting business. And I thought, this is a great opportunity to go work for a small company. A year later, I was fired from that company. And so then I started my own businesses. So fired, were you fired for, and maybe this is too personal a question, were you fired for cause or was your position eliminated or you just it didn't work out? I mean, I was there for a year sales were down. I was the head of sales. And so he fired me because sales were down. I'm okay with that. You know, when you're in sales, when things go well, you take the credit. And when things don't go well, you take the bullet. It's just the way it is. So you seem very rational in thinking about that experience. Were you that understanding of the situation that you got fired because the numbers were down? Or is that come with just maturity and experience and that it was a while ago. Well, it was 30 years ago, so certainly that helped (laughs) a lot. But I wasn't happy at that company. There was incredible amount of pressure. It wasn't like IBM. There was a single owner. There was always a fashion show every day about who could dress as well as the owner. There was backstabbing. It was almost a relief to get fired from that. So. Uh, in hindsight, it really wasn't a good fit for me. Um, and, and so, I mean, listen, eventually during the, uh, uh, you know, during the 19, late 99s, the company went bust. Uh, but, you know, I don't hold grudges. I gotcha. So I, I wanted to have you on because you and I don't know each other very well, but I wanted to get out there that 
Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm the founder of LA Wealth Management Services. I'm a small business entrepreneurial guy. I love entrepreneurs. And it's a, a big part of my practice is getting the chance to serve and work with entrepreneurs who do so much to help this country uh, keep going and be innovative and dynamic. So you help small businesses get unstuck because small business owners and entrepreneurs, it's not an easy path mm -hmm. to success. It's challenging and it's not for everyone. So tell me about helping small business owners get unstuck. I mean, you're absolutely right that it's not a path for everyone. I keep saying if I could hold a real job, I would. Only those of us who can't hold real jobs, we go and we start our own businesses, right? Because it's crazy. Because if you knew, if you knew then what you knew now, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a nuts. But I love it. Um, I get small business owners unstuck because I think a lot of small business owners have had enough success to actually stay in business. But they haven't had so much success where they've gotten wealthy or they're really happy or they've really fulfilled a lot of the ambitions they have. So somewhere along the line, they're stuck. They can't move their business forward. And usually it's in one of six areas, sales and marketing, leadership and management, sorry, five areas, sales and marketing, leadership and management, um, around money, customer experience, or personal productivity. It's usually in one of those areas and it's almost in always in sales and marketing or leadership and management. Those are the first two things. And they, just don't know how to move their business forward. And we have to understand that most of these people were never sales or marketing experts. They were never trained to be a manager. I was fortunate enough when I was at IBM, when I became a manager, they sent us a whole month away to our monk, New York. Remember, they called it charm school. It was management <laughs> school, right? Where you stayed there for a month, right? And you worked on all sorts of different management situations who has the luxury to do that these days, especially if you're a small business owner, you can get that kind of training. So you bring up a good point because when you listed those five categories, one of the challenges, at least I think, and it's you know one of the things that I have to be conscious of uh, in my own small business is that you have to wear so many hats. And a lot of people, it seems to me, and I'd love your opinion on this, You know, they start a business because they like something or they're good at something, have an idea, but they also have to get educated and somewhat proficient at sales, at managing money, managing people, um, dealing with the day-to-day -day while also being a visionary thinking three, five, 10 years down the line. It's an awful lot of hats to wear. Uh, and sometimes people could be really good at one or two of those areas as a small business owner, yet they will flounder maybe even... Uh, fail because they can't or may not even be aware they need to take care of the other aspects of the business. Is that a fair assessment? No, it is. I mean, I think as a small business owner, you got to know what you don't know. You got to see where are your skills best focused on and then where should you have other either outside resources or hire employees to do that. The biggest problem really is that most small business organizations are hub and spoke, right? You have the owner at the center and then everybody reports to the owner and no one really makes any decisions without them. And that's a problem as your company grows. So you've got to learn what to hold on to and what to let go. And letting go of these things is hard. I remember back in the uh, early 90s when I was running my third business and when everything was done by mail, I had to give up the responsibility of opening up the mail every day. And I really enjoyed it because it really gave, put, had a thumb on really what was going on. But 
that wasn't the best use of my time. And it's hard to do that because as small business owners, we kind of sort of want to do everything because it makes ourselves feel important, but that's not the path of success. So you mentioned opening the mail. So you talk a lot about helping business owners increase productivity. Is, is a large portion of what you want to communicate to your clients about time management and delegation? Is that a key contributor in helping businesses increase productivity and become more successful? Not really. I mean, my big belief is that we tell ourselves a lie all the time, that there isn't enough time to get the things done we want to get done. You know, that's just not true. There's plenty of times to work on the things that you want to work on. It's not a matter of time. It's a matter of, are we going to focus our attention on what really makes a difference? And there's a lot of steps I take people through on how to improve their personal productivity. But one of the biggest things is to decide the day before, what are the one or two things you're going to work on the first thing the next day, that if you complete those, your days will be successful. You also have to cut down all the interruptions because, you know, there's this famous graphic that a person's attention span is less than a goldfish. There's a seven seconds and ours <laughs> is nine seconds. And it's easy to get distracted and, you know, you have to really focus your attention. It's about attention. Uh, and I have to tell you, if you're not going to be productive, people look to you, the people in your company, they're not going to be productive either. So there's a lot of issues around that. So one of uh, the adages that is out there is you have to take time to work on your business right. instead of in your business. Right. And so you have a business where you come in as say the business owner and there's a lot of things that you could do and there's a lot that's happening. And in many instances, if you're not careful, you'll end up mostly reacting to what's immediately in front of you where you may be overlooking things that are more important because of just what's in your face. So emails is a good example of that. Uh, a further example is you have your email, your email ping. It seems to me like that's like not the worst thing ever, but you know, you're sitting there working on something important and then the email pings and then you look up from your desk, you look at your computer and or your phone and find out it's just a junk email. Right. And it's an adrenaline rush, right? I mean, yeah. because, oh, someone wants me for something. I think people have it backwards. I, I believe that every single month you got to figure out, hey, what am I really trying to accomplish this month? And what are the three critical things that I need to get done to be able to accomplish that goal? And those are the things that you got to be focusing on. We focus on these really small things like email or, or interruptions because A, a lot of us are lazy. We don't want to work on the hard stuff. The second yeah. thing, we actually can complete those things. These longer goals take a longer period of time. So we don't get the same sense of satisfaction as answering email or deleting it. You got to be focused on the goal and not just getting stuff done. I mean, being productive is getting stuff done that's important. Being busy is just doing stuff. It's not the same thing. Sure. I mean, you could go home after a day and have been really busy um, worked hard all day, go home after eight, 10 hours, sometimes longer for small business owners who tend to work incredibly hard and not really have accomplished anything. And then there's other times when you could work three or four hours, but get some really important key work done and have that be just a wildly successful day, right? Absolutely. Again, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially those starting out, want to be busy. They don't care about being productive. They just want to feel like they're doing stuff. And that's the wrong attitude. 
Yes. So um, I'm a financial planner. I help clients win with money, make smart financial decisions. One of the five categories you mentioned was the money part. Do you find that many business owners don't pay enough attention to the money side of things, including things like accounts receivable, profit and loss, cash flow analysis? It seems to me, especially in certain industries, I'm stereotyping, you know, where they're really good at their technical craft, mm-hmm. they, they tend to kind of stiff arm that kind of thing, which I believe is to their detriment. Do you find that? Absolutely. I mean, hundred percent. I mean, I always give the example that in 1999, I sold my business. I had an MBA from Northwestern University in marketing, and I lost a million dollars off the sale price of my company because I couldn't read our own balance sheet. Wow. People, people don't understand how to read a profit and loss statement, a balance sheet, and a cash flow statement. They don't understand that basically every business goes out of business because of cash flow. And since they don't understand it, they're afraid to look at it every single month. They think they know the results in their head. When they look down at what the actual results are, it's a problem. So somewhere along the line, they need some help for people to figure, to educate them on how do you read these things and based on what the results are, how you can use them in your, your business. I mean, how can you know where you're going if you're just looking in the rearview mirror all the time? Yes. I made this mistake. I would tell you, uh, when we used to be able to travel before COVID-19, <laughs> when I used to survey small business owners, 50% could read a uh, profit and loss statement, 25% could read a balance sheet, and 5% could understand a cash flow statement. Pathetically low. But I understand they were never trained that way. And they were never trained. Kind of thinking. Yeah. Yes. But that's almost then like running a business with uh, one hand tied behind your back. You could be really technical, technically skilled. You could have clients that really appreciate the work that you do. You could have a uh, good niche in the marketplace, but you're holding yourself back if you don't if you don't know the numbers or have a team, CPAs, consultants, financial planners, what have you, employees that could help. Uh, you just can't fly blind, though. Something bad is bound to happen at some point. And you've got to understand what the numbers are and really understand the changes in cash flow in your business. That's the most important thing. What's the change in accounts receivable? What's the change in accounts payable from month to month? What's the change in inventory if you have it? Now, a lot of small business owners don't look into this stuff till they're in trouble, right? People only change when they're in pain. And then sometimes it's really too late. So you work with um, small business owners and the small business, you know, I actually was with a client this morning and I used the term small business and it's so open to interpretation what small business is, right? Because, uh, you know, a single independent real estate agent is technically a small business. My practice has five or six employees. So that's a small business, but sometimes you could take that definition up to hundreds of employees uh, but I'm curious in your consulting practice, as you help businesses get unstuck, what, what is your niche in terms of a small business? How are you defining small business? It's kind of interesting because there's something like 27 million small businesses in the U.S., but 25 million of them don't have employees. Right. So I'm really talking about those 2 million people, uh, literally, usually from a million dollars in sales to $50 million in sales. That's the niche, more 5 to $25 million but that's the niche that I really like to help because I don't like to take people's money unless they can afford to hire me, right? 
because right. that doesn't really make any sense. So, so, so your clientele is not going to be the sole practitioner. Um, not that your principles wouldn't apply to them, but that's not your market niche. Right. Um, and also, I don't really work that much with startups, right? Because I right. feel that I only can help people when they know what they don't know. And when you're a startup and you have all this enthusiasm and you've never had a business before, you don't think these things are problems. I've got people only change when they realize they got a lot of problems and I want to make sure they have the problems so I don't work with them in vain. So I have a little bit of a confession to make, Barry, and I feel yeah. a little, hopefully this comes across the way that I want it to be communicated, but I've had very, several instances, too many actually, where I know someone and they're going to start a business yeah. and I want to root for them, right? Because I think that's a great part of the American economy. I mean, I'm just such a huge fan. They want to start a business. They'll talk to me a little bit about it. It could be as my role as a financial planner. It just could be somebody that I need in my community or a friend of a friend, but I know immediately they're going to fail. And it's often because of things that we're talking about that they have an idea, but it's not really fully formed enough. Right. And it, I feel bad about that because you don't want to, I don't want to crap all over somebody's passion and enthusiasm that they want to try something. And uh, so you don't want to squash their dreams. But, you know, I've seen, I, I saw somebody uh, want to open up a business. I won't say what business because I know he listens to the show. But before the business was even opened, just during the build out, I mean, he was already nearly out of business. So if somebody's thinking that they want to start a business, they're in corporate America, or they have an idea for a business, they want to switch, whatever the case is, can you lay out kind of how should they approach starting a business so that they get it off on the right foot and they aren't doomed to either fail or struggle mightily? What advice would you give them? I know you don't work with startups, but could you help me with that? Sure. I mean, listen, I have no idea whether someone's going to fail or not fail. I mean, I've seen the craziest ideas succeed and the things that I thought were sure things fail. However, I always tell startup people, it's not about the idea. It's about the execution of the idea. Oh, yeah. Because you build, it doesn't mean people are going to come. You've got to figure out what makes you or your team the best to execute and also how are you going to get paying customers? And I don't mean your mother, your father, your cousins, or things like that. I mean, people that don't know you, why are they going to pay you for that product or service? And you've got to get customers as soon as it's practical, depending on what business you're starting, especially service-oriented businesses or retail-oriented businesses. How are you going to get those customers? Why are people going to pay you money? That's what I always ask. That's a good, that's a good point. In thinking about debt, how do you approach the idea about a business having debt? There's a certain school of thought that says you should never have debt. And then I also see lots of instances in the marketplace where people are almost too, too easygoing about debt and they, they view it as, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. They just don't recognize the potential dangers of debt. So when you're consulting with a business in terms of the idea of debt, how would you just generally kind of describe the decision on, taking on debt and or paying down debt? I think you have to look at what is debt being used for, right? Is it being used for to cover losses, which as a result, it's just using being used to cover losses? Right. Or are you actually utilizing it to invest in something that is going to bring revenue and profit? I don't think there's anything wrong with 
is getting debt if you're, let's say, um, you want to get a new production line, you're going to get debt to bring in the machines, right? And then it's going to make you all this revenue or profit. But if you just get debt because your business has losses and there's really no realistic plan to turn it around, then you're just forestalling the inevitable so it doesn't make any, any sense. What is it being used for? And let's say you have a line of credit. It's okay to use a line of credit if you have fluctuations in your business, but right. when business is good, do you actually pay that debt down or do you pay it back? Or has it just become a permanent part of your company? That was the problem with me because when I sold my last business, I had $1.3 million worth of debt that I had to pay back. It had become permanent. So that came off the purchase price too, right? So, um, you know, you make a lot of those mistakes, but what's it being used for? All right. That's very good advice. Uh, what other money rules would you say are good guidelines for small business owners out there related to just money management? Not specific, you know, because every business is different and metrics are different. Uh, any general money rules or guidelines that small businesses probably should adhere to? you got to balance the cash account every month. Someone's got to do it, right? I love that. How do you know whether what, what, if what's in your financial system, your accounting system is really true unless you balance the cash account? You also should look at the cash flow statement, right? And see, you have more cash at the beginning of the month or more at the end of the month? And see what the changes in cash have been. Has your receivables gone up? Has it gone down? And if you can't do that, for God's sakes, check your bank statement every month and look at the first line that says beginning balance ending balance you have more or less cash for god's sakes at least do that oh i love that i love that and and for for me being a money geek that seems natural right because that's what i'm attracted to that's kind of how my mind works but for for some people they're either uncomfortable doing it for any number of reasons and they they kind of shy away but they, they need to do it and they could get other people to help them uh, tackle such a thing. Do you think- They're afraid, right? They're afraid to really yeah. what's going to business. They just figure if they keep moving, if they keep selling, right? It's all gonna turn out okay. And that's not always the way it works. Yes. You, um, would you agree that most small business owners, most entrepreneurs tend to be optimists at heart? I think you have to be, right? Yeah. It is so crazy what we do. If you don't have optimism, then where are you? At the same time, I think you have to have realism and you also have to plan if things go, don't go right the way, the way you think it should. Like, so for example, I always recommend people, all right, if you're starting a business, how, many cap, how much capital do you have to start? All right, I have, have $100,000. All right, you have $100,000, take $50,000, put that away. Now you only have $50,000 really start, keep the 50,000 you know, in some kind of rainy day fund, right? How far can you get in the 50? And then if you gotta go into the, the last, the second 50, all right, now split that in half, put the 25 away. So you've gotta plan for the future at the same time you gotta be optimistic, but you also have to know when it's time to fold them because some of yes. the best entrepreneurs know when to give up. I like the adage that says, if you find yourself in a hole, the first thing you gotta do is stop yeah. digging. No, I, I'm so glad you went there because that was going to be my follow-up question. That optimism is so powerful and it's a wonderful trait, but sometimes they're running businesses based on, well, if these 10 things just happen, I'm going to be all set. And it, it could get them into trouble. I, I like what you talked about in terms of the realism. So that's wonderful. For uh, listeners, if they want to get more information about um, 
you, where would you direct them to, Barry? Sure, just come to my website, www.barrymoltz.com. And actually during the pandemic, I'm giving away a free audio version of my book that came out during the last recession when we needed a bounce. It's about how to bounce back from failure in tough times. If you contact me, I'll give you the password. You can download a free audio version and learn how to come back from times which are very difficult right now. Beautiful. I appreciate you spending a few minutes with me today, Barry. Uh, so please, everyone, check out Barry's site. Also check out my site, which is elliotwealth.com. And if you haven't subscribed to the Simply Financial podcast already, please do so. I think, um, do you have a bo- podcast also, Barry? I have a radio show. I've been around for 12 years, AM uh, 820 WCPT. It's called The Small Business Radio Show every Saturday, 9 a.m., or you can download it on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your music. Awesome. Thanks again, Barry. I really enjoyed the discussion. Have a great one. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of Sage Point Financial Incorporated and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Please note the information being provided is strictly as a courtesy. When you link to any of the websites provided here, you are leaving this website. We make no representation as to the completeness or accuracy of the information provided at these websites, nor is the company liable for any direct or indirect technical or system issues or any consequences arising out of your access to your use of third-party technologies websites, information, and programs made available through this website. When you access one of these websites, you are leaving our website and assume total responsibility and risk for your use of the websites you are linking to. Securities and advisory services are offered through Sage Point Financial Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, insurance services offered through Elliott Wealth Management, LLC, not affiliated with Sage Point Financial.